Hey guys, Tony Bryan here with you in the off season and in the new year. Happy New Year from Bluegrass Homefront. And we will be back here in this new year very soon. I think next week we may have a preview for you of season two. We're gonna or we may even just I'm not sure. We're 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 gonna get going real soon here with season two. But in the meantime, we do have a little bit more bonus material for you, and this is one we thought was lost. We've looked for on memory cards and up and down and finally found it. And I'm just happy to be able to bring it to you. This is the full the full discussion with Jeff Ritchie and Robert Rohr of the JRE from Berea. Little music will be in here. A lot of talk about Berea, the city, Berea, the, the college. Lots going on there. So we think you'll have a great time. This is a full conversation. We were only able to bring you a little bit of it in the first season. So now we've got the full conversation here for you, and we hope you enjoy it. And we will see you back here with Victor, with Malachi, with music, with brand new episodes very soon. Stay tuned, and until then, beware of rabbits. They eat carrots. Bye-bye. You worked a whole three hours? That's right. You should have it down by now. I took an afternoon. <laughs> Only 9,997 to go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You'll be an expert. But the, the problem when I was trying to learn to play guitar was that, you know, being this big and then having like a full body acoustic, mm. it was like, I can't even see so, my hands. That's so. another way of looking at the utility of this instrument, I guess. Yeah, so I've, I've long wanted like a tiny little guitar that I could I could do with like that, so... All right, so we are recording. Awesome. All right. And uh, let me get y'all's names to start with here. My name is Robert Rohr. Hi, Robert. I'm Jeff Ritchie. And Robert and Jeff, do I have your permission to use this audio for my podcast? Certainly. Yes. Excellent. All right. So let's, what we're going to do, first of all, is do a bit. We're going to give them about 15, 20 seconds of silence. My, edit, uh, my son likes that when we give him a little silence to play with. So we'll do that, and then we'll... Start. All right. So we'll just... <laughs> yeah, we've known each other for a long time, if you can't tell. Yeah, we bicker a bunch. Yeah. It's a small room for people who bicker. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, we are pleased to be joined now with, by uh, Jeff Ritchie of the Electric Berea. That's, that's in the JRE, not the GRE. You got it. And, we and were I, hoping you would change your name to Jeff with a G, but you don't seem interested. And I was right. It is the Jeff Ritchie experience. Well, sure. Well, that's how it, that's what we were originally called, and, and uh, it's slightly embarrassing. And uh, <laughs> as fast as possible, it got acronymized to JRE, and uh, <laughs> now I guess we're stuck with it. So. When I was looking for you, I kept noticing that the Joe Rogan experience would yes. cover up all your yeah. looks. I'm like, That's I have to keep like JRE Kentucky, JRE Kentucky <laughs> music. We're kind, of, we're kind of down the list on, uh, on, on yeah. YouTube. There's a whole lot of Joe Rogan. It well, surely yeah. is. Yeah, I did finally find you guys, but well, it took to me know. a minute. Well, again, it was not by design. We, Well, at least I never intended to name the band with my name in it, and I didn't intend for the band to have some acronym that had my initials in it. But Here we are. Seven years ago this month, the band got started, and in the first two years, we had a, a different uh, lead guitarist, and he proposed it early on in rehearsals as a name. He said, oh, the Jeff Ritchie Experience, because it's, it's a band that's organized around stuff that I write, so I guess he thought that that made sense, and I think he enjoyed making fun of me a little bit. Um, <laughs> and I liked the idea that I could laugh at myself, so I went along with it, yep. but in my heart of hearts, not actually all that crazy about the name. Um, and then after a while, people, it's a cumbersome name, right? The Jeff mm-hmm. Ritchie Experience. Yeah. So people would just say JRE or The JRE. And I thought, okay, I, I can work with that. I can merchandise that. 
Um, <laughs> so uh, that's that's sort of where it's been for probably the last five years. And Jeff, years. you did bring a member of your band here with us today. Why don't you introduce him to our audience? Sure. This is Robert Rohrer, uh, my uh, longtime musical partner. And uh, in, in this band, he's been playing rhythm guitar for uh, for seven years now and also seven, singing, since the beginning. singing harmony vocal as well and occasionally taking a lead vocal. Excellent. Howdy, folks. So uh, what kind of music do y'all play? Why don't you give us, a, give us an idea of what you play? Uh, you want us to talk about it or play it? Well, you can do first one, then the other, as far as I'm concerned. What would you say, Robert? Um, probably ought to talk about it, because one song is not going to cover what, True. We, what we do. <laughs> uh, we often describe our sound as electric and eclectic. Um, mm. Although today we're essentially an acoustic uh, um, duo. We typically were a five-piece uh, plugged-in amplified band, and so that co- uh, covers the electric side of things. But eclectic, um, what does that mean? I guess that means no one thing, right? A, mm-hmm. a selection of things. That, that's Brian's favorite twenty-dollar word, so oh, he's a, weepy on that one. I do really like eclectic. It's a good yeah. word, um, and I think it's partly to do with the fact that I don't write it all in one style, and I think it's also to do with the fact that none of the five members of the band come from the same exact musical backgrounds. So I would describe our drummers coming from a pretty much a rock and roll background with some bluesy edges. Um, I actually came up playing jazz, uh, okay. and, and mostly uh, in my hometown, Savannah, Georgia, um, and then indie rock and things like that in the 80s when I was a teenager. And um, our uh, mandolinist came straight from bluegrass. But as most mandolinists yeah, often right. do. But before that, he was a metalhead. Yeah, he was oh, he's a metalhead. Oh, okay. He's a metal so, oh, I want a metal that, mandolinist. Well, that's yeah, kind of what we, we have. Kind of got. <laughs> oh. I want to know. Does he have an electric mandolin? Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. Oh, that, <laughs> that's I've got awesome. to see this with wah wah and all the rest of it. Anyway, um, and then his father um, is a banjo player and a dobro steel guitar player, and he definitely comes out of bluegrass. Mm. Uh, there's no metalhead in his background. At right. All. Unless he got hurt in the war or something, but I think he's, <laughs> I think he's okay. And Robert, how would you describe your background? Oh my gosh, um, you know, I grew up listening to a lot of Statler Brothers. Uh, my mother was also a music teacher, so you know, anything that had a lot of vocal harmonies was was a was a thing that I you know listened to. Of course, Johnny Cash, and for some reason Burl Ives sticks out of my head. Burl Ives, as, as as recordings I would listen yeah, to yeah. as a child. Yeah. Um, but of course, yeah, I got it somewhat into choral music, and then of course, going on to majoring in music at Berea College, I you know, was in the choir all eleven semesters. Wow, all eleven semesters. So you guys um, were telling me that uh, Jish, go ahead. Yeah, I'm rock sorry. and roll, and then I eventually, I was more of a southern rock in high school, and then at some point, I got into the Grateful Dead, and oddly enough, that led into growing to appreciate bluegrass. Okay. Which I was surrounded by in Lexington, Virginia, but right. didn't really, we didn't listen to it in the house because mother was a vocalist and she just could not stand bluegrass singing. Yeah, mm. My mother had yeah. a similarly yeah. narrow yeah. view of, uh, of country music singing. Well, yeah. bluegrass does have kind of the jam band quality yeah. because it will yeah. kind of like, all right, now you play for a minute. Now actually, you play. That's what actually kind of kind of snagged me. That and, you know, I've called it the heavy metal of country music for years. Mm. It's kind of what it is to me, because mm. especially with that banjo, you know. Right. You know. Although, see, I, I hear it. I, I have this conversation with Randall, our uh, banjo and uh, dobra player, uh, frequently, that I think of bluegrass as basically just hillbilly Dixieland. Uh, mm-hmm. Because the way that the parts are arranged, the way the interplay between the instruments uh, is concerned, the way they tend not to 
emphasize original material but rework standards. Mm-hmm. All that's straight out of yeah. Dixie you work Land. out of a you work out of a catalog. Not, you it's just really... not marching band instruments, right? It's string band instruments. So that's my take on on bluegrass. But bluegrass is something I played a lot of, but only after I moved away from the South. When I was growing up <laughs> in Georgia, North Carolina, I couldn't, I wouldn't cross the street for bluegrass. So, um, but when I moved to Massachusetts and California, when I was in graduate school, suddenly I had this aching, deep desire to be Doc Watson or, or whatever, and, and go see Tony Rice and things like that. So I actually did have a, a bluegrass band in the San Francisco Bay Area. Well, uh, for a while, Happy Chandler used to say that in the that everybody who leaves the Kentucky is always thinking about coming home, mm-hmm. and I would say that's true more generally of the South a lot too. That you know when you when you go to these more northern places, you're immediately like, oh, hmm, when can I go home? <laughs> you know, I don't know if everybody else in the rest of the country feels that way, but I think that those of us who are from the South, we have a home to go to. We know where we're from. Mm-hmm. That's right. A um, sense of place. Whereas folks who grew up in a cul-de-sac and Illinois may not necessarily have the same sense. Sorry, all your Illinois listeners yeah. out there. You know, place may not matter as much. Maybe more my people, but in my case, it was place and people. So we're always interested in what brings people to Kentucky. Say so you grew up in Georgia. What brought? What brings you to our little bluegrass state here? Uh, well, a job. <laughs> oh, the best reason of all. As it turns out. Um, I teach at Berea College uh, ah. in, in Berea, Kentucky, and have for just about 20 years. And... Um, I grew up knowing about Berea, um, although not having a very accurate impression of Berea. I remember going to um, the uh, sort of North Carolina's equivalent of the Artisan Center sure. that we have here in Kentucky on the Blue Ridge Parkway, and there would be these brooms for sale. There were Berea College brooms. And I remember asking my father when I was like seven or eight years old, what is up with these things? They're, first of all, they're unusual-looking brooms. They're mm-hmm. little you know, brooms for your hearth or something. Anyway, and they said Berea College, and my dad said, "Oh, there's a college in Kentucky where all the students have to make brooms," and that was, <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was his take on Berea. And he was he was kind of like you know sixty percent, forty percent right, something like that. Well, there, we do have a labor program. That's a fairly fairly common mis- misinterpretation yeah. about Berea College. <laughs> but I think it's the but most visible. There are actually side. many other jobs besides the brooms. Yeah, actually, you can also f- work in Boone Tavern. Uh, right, right, lots right. of things. <laughs> uh, you could be a coder. I mean, you could do whatever. But anyway, that was my take on on Berea as a kid, and. Um, so I knew about Berea for a long time, uh, and when the opportunity came to uh, to apply for a job here, I took it. I was quite happy because I was living further north then, and I wanted to come back home. Well, we do welcome all transplants to Kentucky. We uh, we like to think we have fertile soil for the transplants to bloom. Well, they haven't got rid of me yet. No, we're, we're, we've not tossed you out just yet. So uh, so now that we've talked a little bit about talked a little bit about what kind of music y'all play, why don't you give us a little sampling? Okay, I think we talked around <laughs> what music we play. I don't think we talked about it. Close um, enough. Close what enough. What influences? Well, that we're gonna that? we're gonna demo um, a brand new song that we've not played in public yet. Um, we actually wrote it for a um, multi-band event that's happening this weekend in Rockcastle County uh, called the Clear Creek Congregation because Clear Creek is that area, and we're playing at the Clear Creek Schoolhouse. And there's a community around that um, around that area that, for lack of a better word, can we say hippie? Hippies. Yeah, bunch of um, and really, really nice, <laughs> really nice people. Um, definitely interested in uh, living on a different timetable and with some different priorities than most of the rest of this country and even the rest of Kentucky. And so they inspired this song, um, and so it's called the Clear Creek Congregation. So actually, first there was a song, and then I decided it'd be a good name for the gig. <laughs> so, there you go. <laughs> so we're just going to demo this for you, uh, and, and that's the tune, Clear Creek Congregation. So let's start it. Right. 
people see a world of sin that's getting darker every day they look outside for what's within it's just a candle but it can show the way I know some folks who don't despair they know that hope is all around it's in the water and the air it's in the sky and it's growing from the ground they are the clear creek congregation and they're singing for a world gone wrong they are the clear creek congregation and they want you all to sing along First take, I'm sure you guys have practiced that, but that was excellent just to sit down and just start playing it. Well, two or three thanks. times. Yeah. It's like you guys I mean, are professionals or I something. I realized at the end cool. of the second course, it's like, I'm not singing the right harmony part. <laughs> <laughs> I'm singing a harmony part, but not the one that I... Uh, don't not the part you agreed to. Oh, I'm sure anyone listens to that will notice that. Well, the other thing is that on the arrangement of that with the full band, there's that puny little melody I was mm. playing is doubled with... Dobro and mandolin, and it's harmonized, so it's, right. it's, it sounds a little bit a lot bigger. more robust. So I was really trying to get that across with, uh, and it's not really working. I like the message of the song, though. That was pretty cool. So Clear Creek is a place in Rockcastle County. Yes, sir. Northern Rockcastle County. Yeah. 
What is it? Northern Rockcastle County. Northern Rockcastle County. It's just okay. south of Berea, like nine miles. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. My, my dad goes to Broadhead all the time. Okay. If you know where that Not is. Not that far. Yeah, so that's why I was curious. I don't know a lot about, we didn't grow up there, but uh, they live there now in Lincoln County, and he goes over there all the time. That's the funny time. y'all talk about Clear Creek because when I think of Clear Creek, I think of the place down in Bell County, down by the border, where there is a, a Clear Creek Baptist Bible College. That's actually, okay. I, I actually went to school there. So y'all kept talking about that. And I'm like, y'all are like, when, y'all are like two hours north of where when, Clear Creek is. When I first be. heard it, I told Brian, I was like, they're talking about your school, Brian. He's like, like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> no, hopefully not giving you flashbacks or anything. They, they, <laughs> I think they read from a different Bible there. They, they do, yeah. yes. Yeah, and and frankly, the older I get, the more I kind of move towards the Rock, Rock Castle County Clear Creek over the Pine, over the Bell County Clear Creek. Let me tell you. Well, they're really nice people down there, at least in my experience. Robert is a neighbor. He lives in that area. I, I live yeah. in Berea. But um, a couple of years ago, I guess about a year and a half ago, um, our drummer started to take longer vacations uh, to care for his elderly mother. Um, he splits uh, caregiving with some of his siblings, and so he'll go off for a couple of weeks at a time in the summer up in Ohio where he's from. And so we were stuck without a drummer in prime gigging season. Oh, that was before you know, COVID, mm. but in the good what old days, summer was a good time to, to get gigs. Yeah. In the before times, before the plague world. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, and so um, I just itching to play and, you know, I didn't really want to put everything aside for a month or whatever. And so I said to the guys, why don't we, um, why don't we try to do some acoustic things? Um, and that's actually when I bought this strange piece of machinery um, and uh, this ukulele bass that I'm playing. And uh, so we did drummerless quartet gigs. And mm-hmm. one of the places we played last year was the Clear Creek Schoolhouse, which is where we'll play again uh, this coming weekend. And, you know, uh, it's, it's a small place. It's a little out of the way, even though it's only about 15 minutes from Berea. I think it feels like it's far away to, to some folks. And you certainly don't feel like you're yeah. anywhere near anywhere else when you're there. It's, uh, you're, you, you definitely know you're way away from anywhere else. Yeah, but... Um, Super appreciative audiences and really supportive folks. Absolutely. And as a musician, you know, after a while, you get to the point where it doesn't really matter how many people are out there. It matters how what the quality of the experience that you're having with the audience is. Yep. So, you know, if there are three really enthusiastic people or 15 really enthusiastic people, that is way better than 200 people who are looking at their phones, yep. mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. Um, and so I've, I've really come to value it. So in some sense, the song is a tribute to them because I feel like they've given me and us um, a lot as, as audiences and, and uh, as a venue. We played there beginning of August, and then we'll do it again yeah. uh, this weekend. And then I think it'll get too cold. <laughs> and then it'll For be pretty chilly. <laughs> yeah, it's already gotten chilly here. It's amazing how fast things suddenly slowed it, down. Suddenly got chilly. This it was year. straight up cold this morning. Oh yeah, it yeah, was well, like thirty eight, I think, when I left I've, the house. I've already had a fire in the wood stove about four or five mornings now. Already? Yeah. Well, he yeah. eats with wood. So. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's it's. That's it. And <laughs> that's well, the whole choice. My house is also still under construction. So oh okay. <laughs> and I'm living in it, and I don't recommend that combination. Uh, we did that at my house when uh, I was about five. So uh, we we grew up in Pike County, and uh, back when I was a kid, you know, everybody used to help each other build houses. You know, the community mm-hmm. houses, and uh, yeah, we built my house when I was a kid. Y'all built yep. your house when you and, were a kid. Uh, we had that experience. Like we lived in a camper for a whole summer, mm-hmm. waiting for our inside of our house to be done. And then when we did move back, same thing. We really had no heat, so we had the buck stove. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, when we moved to North Carolina. 
again, I was born in Savannah, Georgia. I was raised down there, and it's you know there are palm trees there. It's 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 a different climate. Um, so we moved to North Carolina in my first fall. The per- first place we could get was a rental house, and it was basically a summer house. That wasn't real well insulated, mm. um, and that was great until like October. Yeah, <laughs> and then suddenly we had these thirty-eight degree mornings. And like, yeah. Man, mom, I'm slipping on the ice when I get out of bed. You know, yeah. <laughs> this is a problem. But every night, you know, you chop wood to because we also only had um, there was no electric heater or anything. It was just a stove in the in the kitchen. So that that's the bad. one where you have to get up in the middle of the night and build the fire up, oh, yeah. so you're not yeah. freezing in the morning. Yeah. Oh, I, le- I learned to build a fire when I was like ten years old. Me too. Yep. Yeah, Me we too. grew up with a. We didn't have wood stoves then; it was just fireplace, and we lived in old houses that were before anyone ever thought of insulation. Yep. So yeah. it was like basically your walls were just brick, mm-hmm. and you know, which just yeah. it's just rocks. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't. Yeah. That's not a good yeah, heat it's insulator. Not, it's not an insulator. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so how so you say y'all have been doing music together for about seven years now? Well, this band has existed for seven years, but Robert and I started playing music uh, eleven years ago, two thousand nine. Sounds right. Um, when he was part of another band that needed a bass player, and I got a call uh, to to come over and try out, and so we played with that band for basically two years, and then. It kind of broke up, and then it got back together for one more show a year later, and then that was that. And then the year later, we started this band. Yeah. So, so we've been playing together for a while. I always think of Berea is, you know, if you're if you're looking for the place where, well, really the hippies are, and where the creative people are, and and all of that, you that's Berea is where you go for that. Now that that could be my misrepresentation because I've lived in Berea for about. 60 days once. I think there so. are members of the city council that would take issue with your characterization. But the rest of the state does look at Berea. That's where the that's where Kentucky's hippies are. It, well, does, which, it does seem to know, have that reputation. It does. I've, I've seen oh, when I, now, when I was younger, it was even like in, in my church, it was thought that Berea was where there were dark forces, dark spiritual witches, and, and all kinds of stuff in Berea. So. I think that the view is still held by some yeah. in Berea. Uh, yes. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, you know, we, we don't necessarily have to get into this. I know you all talk about politics on your show. Um, a little, but not um, much. <laughs> Berea is like the country. It's split. Um, mm-hmm. it, yeah. It's not as, as clear-cut as it might look from the outside. Well, I had the same impression, not of the hippie thing particularly, but I guess I thought, like a lot of outsiders, the most visible aspect of Berea is the Berea College. Mm-hmm. Uh, it owns most mm-hmm. of the land. All the big buildings are Berea College buildings, and the college definitely projects. A liberal ethos, like most uh, most uh, liberal arts colleges institutions. are, um, and so when I first came to Berea, I just had this naive notion, which I shouldn't have had, um, that the town was the college and the college was the town, and that's certainly mm-hmm. not true. Um, no, that's not true of just about yeah. any college yeah. town, and certainly in Kentucky, it and probably might have been anywhere. True, like a hundred years ago in Berea, um, mm-hmm. but even then, even then, it yeah. was, there was a, a divide between yeah, those who say, were kind of part of the college enterprise and those who. We're not. There is part of the college's history is actually being driven out of town by right. locals. Um, right, they yeah. They this whole interracial education idea. Yeah. Um, right, because Berea integrated way sooner than most of the rest yeah. of the state, right? Yeah. It's like uh, a country, uh, uh, certainly the South, is the first interracial and co-educational school in the South. Really? The I didn't know that. 1850s. Okay. 1850s? Yeah. But we really, 1855 is when they set it up, but they really couldn't make it work until after the Civil War. Right. Sure, yeah. yeah. And a lot of the running out and of the town was during that first decade, yeah. 55 to 65. And then there was the passage of the day law that just made what they were doing illegal altogether. Yeah, in 1905, um, the state of Kentucky yeah. passed a law to prohibit 
integrated, racially integrated education, which had sprung up, you know, after the war. Mm -hmm. There was only one place that did it. It was Berea College. So it was essentially, let's try to outlaw Berea. Berea. Mm -hmm. So they um, set up a satellite um, uh, campus for black students only in Louisville. Um, and that ran until 1950. Huh. I never um, knew that. And then they, um, four years before Brown, sorry, got the, <laughs> the college employee here, another stick. Uh, but it's a good story. Um, four years before Brown versus Board of Education, the Supreme Court that that uh, nullified um, separate but equal, right? Vice versa, Ferguson. Um, we we began to reintegrate. Um, and the if you look at the yearbooks and things from 1950, 51, 52, even as late as the early 60s, it's still a very white place. I think it was probably a hard sell to get um, black kids to come to the hills. Probably. Kentucky. I mean, yeah. it, it had started as a 50-50 operation. Both the town and the college were very intentionally planned to be half and half, half black, half white. Um, hmm. And after the war, it got less and less attractive for those black folks to stay around here. Um, the resurgence, you know, the, the Klan, stuff like that. Anyway, so um, it took quite a while. It wasn't until practically the time that I came along to college, which is right, right after the turn of the century, Strange to say, but it's true. Isn't it? mm-hmm. um, as my kids say I was born in the 1900s, um, which is true. Well, yeah, we, we, we all were. were yeah. yeah. In any case, um, it born took, it last took millennium. that long. Right, right, right. It took that long that long to work up to about a 35 percent African American enrollment. Um, whereas, if you think we were 50 percent, you know, in 1900, that's it, it took a while. To, yeah, to, to, to get back that. to there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so Berea is an interesting place. Um, the campus is one thing, and the town is another, and then there are, I think of there being a third dimension to Berea that isn't the college and isn't, for lack of a better word, the kind of the old network, the old boy network. Old school. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think of people like Robert being kind of in that third zone, the people in Clear Creek being kind of in that third zone. There, Some of them might have had a connection to the college or might have had a connection to the area, but they've kind of carved out their own space. A lot of them are artists. Um, some of them are musicians. Uh, there's a lot of people involved with organic and sustainable agriculture, which mm-hmm. I guess is where the Absolutely, hippie thing yeah. is carrying over yeah. a little. Sure. Homesteading and I mean that's just. So I really think of Berea as a triangle, right? Where we're or you know three a Venn diagram of three spheres or something, and and so maybe maybe Robert sort of coexists in two of those sort of maybe. with, with <laughs> you know, and maybe I do too but uh, I don't know how peacefully I coexist in those two but oh, well. <laughs> so I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think Berea is more complicated than one might imagine yeah, um, to be a to be a you know just a, basically a small Kentucky town yeah, you know right. a little college town I mean that sounds familiar I mean I, I told you I went to Moorhead mm-hmm. and there's a definite divide between the university and the townspeople there for mm-hmm. sure yeah, yeah. like the Moorhead, the town, I don't know if this is still true. It was 20 years ago and I went to school there, but uh, Last they were determined not to let Moorhead really, the university, really grow any more than it was. They mm-hmm. wanted to keep it small town and simple for the round county, and, and that's just the way they were. I don't know if it's still that way, but, uh, you know, that, that's... Yeah, they used to fight the college. Yeah, it was it was pretty legendary back and yeah. forth, the college They would argue the with the college about stuff. Well, usually that turns out to be a losing battle, um, but I don't know how it worked out in Moorhead, just because institutions particularly land-grant institutions they bring the money they've got so much yeah. economic mm-hmm. heft. It's yeah really, they bring the money yeah. so it's like sit down and shut up townspeople so <laughs> i will say i do think i don't know if we're going to talk this about Berea college but i'm happy to do it um i think at least in recent years more recent years i think berea has tried fairly hard as an institution to be a good neighbor 
but I do think there were times earlier um, when it threw its weight around. It was a company town, and the college was the company. Mm. Yep. It used to run the uh, utilities in town. It, uh, all the babies that were born in town were born at the college hospital. Kids were educated. Uh, the, there was no but, public yeah, school Washington until the late 60s. Um, it was basically run by the college. Between there and then model up in Richmond, so there was no county schools. Right, something like that. And so, you know, that made it hard. I think that that made resentment inevitable. Mm -hmm. probably Mm -hmm. at some level just the inequity of that situation they have everything we have hardly anything and it it is not a um, prosperous area Um, no like most of the mountains it struggles I mean we're on the edge really Uh, but southern Madison County is um, has got a pretty high poverty rate for central Kentucky not Mm -hmm. compared to say super eastern Kentucky but you know a very large percentage of kids on um, free or reduced lunch in the Mm -hmm. Berea community schools and that tells you something you know so, so anyway, it's a complicated place, and that's where we live, or most of us live, and we've made our music there for, for some time now. So I guess that's part of the eclectic, too, is we are making eclectic music in an eclectic town. I, I like eclecticism, so. <laughs> so, uh, got, some, got another song for us? We've got one more for you. Um, this right. is a tune that's on our most recent record, um, and it's a tune that I originally wrote when a friend of mine was going through cancer, and I wish... I could say it stopped there, but like most people, you get to a certain point in life, you start to know a lot of people. Yep. Cancer, yeah. Family yeah. members, friends, peers. So I am happy to say the person that I wrote this about is still with us. He's, Good. It's amazing uh, that he's still with us, but it's been five years since his diagnosis. But it's called Long, Long Gone, and it started off as thinking about this one guy. And then, just like anything else, when somebody encounters that kind of calamity, you begin to reflect on your own mortality, right? Mm-hmm. You begin to think, well, how do I know how much time I have, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what this tune is all about in some level. And so it's it goes beyond one person to really all of us. You ready? Yep. One, two, three, four, five, six. His body is broken 
And it just won't mend soon He'll be long gone Still his light burns bright In this long dark night When his candles gone Will his flame burn on When he's long, long Now our world seems lost And by tempest tossed As we seek to find Who can cure the blind Is he long, long Long that gone, made me it? introspective. I gotta put myself back up and talk some more. <laughs> well, that gives us all something to think about. That's we'll go for sit sure. Sit in the corner and look at a candle for a while. <laughs> think about the how quickly the days pass. But. They really do. Well, these days especially, right? Time is very strange and elastic. Yeah, here we are in <laughs> March pandemic. 378. That's right. <laughs> I was just telling my wife I keep writing down May for because we have to date a lot of things during our job. Right. I keep writing five. And then here it is, October. I'm like, I'm, I'm lost. You but I think what? everybody kind of has that feeling it's this year. It's the COVID time warp. If you want it to be May. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it should be May. Like, didn't we shut down? We should pick up back in May. But You bet. <laughs> here it is, almost Halloween. So how has uh, how has COVID affected? I guess you're teaching virtually right now, or is Bree even? Bree is doing a semester, right? They're virtual? We are doing half and half. Uh, like a lot of places around the country, we um, – we give our, our students a choice, um, which to be honest, I thought was really dumb. Um, I thought we would end up with a super spreader situation, but I was wrong, which is nice. It's nice to be wrong. Um, sometimes. Sometimes. In this case, very much so, because we've had almost no problem at all, but we've been super duper strict. And it helps that we're a tiny town, and most of our students don't have cars. We're not UK. It's a whole, right, whole yeah. different deal. But about half of our students are on campus, and about half are somewhere else. It could be... Making broomsticks in their home, just whittling out of Working whatever their, they keeping their broom art up, yeah, in the home, <laughs> whatever they can find. <laughs> you gotta make those brooms, man. That's babe. right. Brooms come first. Um, and about half of our courses are online uh, right now, including the ones I teach. So it is very strange and and um, not not what any of us really signed up for. No. But it is keeping us safe, I do believe, and um, I'm 
I'm I'm grateful uh, that we've we've been so fortunate thus far. Is there a piece of wood around here? I guess this is wood um, that I can I can knock. I'm on a wooder. You can knock on me if you like. You know, see, see that defeats the whole purpose, right? We can't touch each other. <laughs> oh yeah. Get away from me. Sorry about that. <laughs> trying to spread things to you. That was not my intention. So anyway, uh, that that's where we are, and it looks like right now we'll be that way for the rest of the. So what do you teach year. specifically at Berea? I teach Asian studies. I teach about China and Japan. Really? So now, you're why did I assume that you were teaching? Say. Yeah, that you teach music. But I thought you would be a music teacher. Just no, to this make is the guy with the music degree here. Oh, I'm just uh, fooling around. But I'll, <laughs> but I'll teach. I've actually tried giving lessons here and there, and it's, uh, I think it was a good thing that I did not go into education because I seem to be a, a lousy teacher. Well, Confucius um, says everybody is our teacher. They either teach us how to do it or how not to do it. So you may have taught many people. I, I may have taught a few people <laughs> to go ahead and pursue you know, something that makes you money. Go be a nice accountant um, yeah, or something. Right, right, which actually probably would have been my first uh, had, had my first attempt at college worked out, that might have... You might have been an accountant? Uh, uh, yeah. Was, yeah, you look like the accountant was, type. Was, well, yeah, I was, I was a little more conservative looking at the time. Gotcha. Um, there's Washington, Lee. Was, Berea. Yeah, but... I was going to be a math major at, at Washington and Lee. Yeah, it's like I don't even really know you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, these interviews, they I bring things say, out, you know. It's <laughs> I th- actually, um, one of the reasons I didn't get a music degree was I watched people who were music majors, and they seemed a lot like the pre-med majors. They just worked all the time, and mm-hmm. it didn't seem like there was a lot of fun there anymore. Also, maybe just a little bit lazy. Yeah, I, I didn't get to see any of that until I was right smack in the middle of it. Too late. Wait, no, too late. <laughs> Music majors are uh, incredibly over-scheduled uh, uh, oh, in yes. any institution. My oh, son, yes. my older son is a music major at university up in Chicago, and my younger son is probably going to study music, yeah. too, it looks like. And just so, all those ensembles and private lessons, and you've got a you know, class uh-huh. load on top of that. Right, uh, all, the, all the usual uh, stuff of college plus basically another full-time job mm-hmm. so anyway i i kind of said you know what i i can do music on my own terms i don't have to um get academic credit for it i can do what i want so i i ended up you know doing the academic thing um honestly kind of as a way to create the space in my life when later i i could do music I'm like, sure the professors have a lot more flexible schedule i mean here i am right now it's a tuesday mm-hmm. right um, <laughs> right especially these days they're really flexible yeah, really. So it worked out well for me. So this, yeah, this my day job is uh, is a good day job, but it's also one that creates space for other things like music. And music's really important. And the older I get, the more important I realize mm-hmm. it is. So I'm really grateful for that opportunity. Absolutely. That's kind of one of the messages. We appreciate that. It's kind of one of the messages we're trying trying to give on our podcast is is mm-hmm. to share those the the musical artists that are out there in Kentucky because right. what I found out is the uh, musical director as Brian likes to call me music supervisor whatever uh, <laughs> there's a lot of musicians out there you know and there's a lot of music to be had and it's not just not just bluegrass it's all different types of music oh, yeah. and yeah, I, I've really enjoyed discovering a lot of the new artists and stuff that I've come across it's been really fun yeah I think you asked how has COVID affected um, I mean musicians I mean it's been devastating oh yeah oh, right. Um, the one advantage, I guess, that we have in Kentucky is that very few of our uh, musicians in Kentucky are functioning in like a union environment the way they would in L.A. or New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the one hand, that's a tremendous disadvantage because they don't get the benefits, they don't get a health care, wage, right. all yeah. the rest of it. But on the other hand, it means that if they want to play a gig, they can play a gig. Yeah. Um, so there's less top-down structure. Um, but it's definitely hurt um, 
all the full-time musicians I know, I mean, they're, it's bad. Yeah, they're idle. And just, gee, yeah, just about any capacities, like, you know, full-time playing, you know, gigs at bars and whatnot. It's like, well, they kind of closed down. Most music venues are Yeah, most festivals were canceled. Yeah, almost every music festival out there has been canceled. Oh, right. tell me about uh, it. Yeah, every friend but, I know is like, I need a concert. I yeah. need a concert. Uh, yeah. but, but, like, you know, orchestras. Oh, yeah. Know, yeah. It's like in the theater. Some, some the of them thing. are figuring yeah. out ways to actually try to get 160 people together via Zoom, and I'm not, or whatever. And Good I'm not luck. sure how that's working, but uh, yeah. but I understand that yeah, there's some choruses that are meeting via you know via that electronic Ethernet thingy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> however, it's, it's working. called the interwebs. Yeah, the interwebs. That's it. Um, but yeah, it's like, and of course, you know what. Personally, it's like I'm also a church musician. I, mm-hmm. I, I've sung in the choir at Union Church in Berea for 25 years now and handbell ensemble for a few years now. And in March, all that just shut down. Stop. Yeah, yeah so there, there are many facets of music that have been impacted, and it's definitely not just the bar scene, as you say, right? Yeah. It's uh, yeah. pit orchestras. It's the Louisville Opera. I mean, it, it's whole, musical theater. Whole it's all yeah. of it, yeah. That's right. Um, and I don't know how the theater professors are doing their job. The, the, the reactions I've got, it's like, oh, you want to hear my music? Yeah. You know. well, oh, yeah, that's <laughs> part of what we like this, that we wanted to do with this podcast is give an opportunity for right. idled musicians to have some place to get their music in front of people. Well, we yeah. certainly appreciate it. Um, there have been a few opportunities since all this went down. Um, uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, somebody from Richmond, actually, uh, Randy Westbrook, mm-hmm. who's the director of the Richmond Area Arts Council in Richmond, Kentucky. He he saw a way to do out uh, live music this summer when pretty much everybody else said no way it can't be done, and he took a chance. I mean, there's always there's risk involved in this stuff, but he put on um, between I guess mid June and and this Friday night, um, every Friday night a different act, and as you said. Uh, uh, capitalizing on the diversity of because yep. it's all local, we didn't bring any big name acts into the, to Richmond to play. Um, but there's a lot of diversity. You can hear top notch jazz, blues, certainly country and bluegrass. We got mm-hmm. a, an abundance of that. But you know, indie rock. We were in the series. There are lots of uh, other uh, groups. Some of these people are actually famous and kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're local, and some of them, are, like us, are not famous or a big deal. Um, but we're also but local. Still local. <laughs> yeah, we found anyway, that. We found hip hop and R and B. We found quite a few. We found just every genre yeah, you can think of. Yeah, it's, it's someone in Kentucky is doing it. And actually, a lot of it's pretty good. Um, and I think that's maybe the nice thing about all this is that the national acts can't tour. They can't um, uh, reach local areas, and so what you're yeah, left we can't with, go to arenas. Yeah, rep. You won't go to rep for a while, right? No. Mm-hmm. Um, to see whoever, but. You might be able to see us, or you might be able to see That's you know, true. Um, whomever. So this and is a renaissance for local music. To the extent that someone like Randy or other uh, organizers around the state have created opportunities for people to hear them. Now, the problem is we're about to run out of those opportunities because they're weather dependent because they've mm-hmm. all been outdoors. There are a few bars that have resorted to uh, sort of parking lot type shows, like the Burl has started yep. to do this. Yep. Yep. parking right? lot shows. Or drive-in type situations. But again, <laughs> the... the the weather window is starting to close on that. It sure is. Um, right. So I think it's, it could be a cold, hard winter um, uh, in some ways, uh, unless, you know, things improve dramatically. The um, good news is, is once we actually get a, vi- get a vaccine and all this clears up, I think every every concert you can imagine is going to be packed to the gills oh, no. for the next two well, years. You know, I sure hope so. I hope I, people don't forget how much No, I can't it. wait. 
Yeah, we, uh, we talk about it all the time. It's like, I want to go see this one and that one. Yeah. I love going to live shows. That's always been one of my things. And I had to miss two. I was supposed to go see Mike Campbell. I don't know if you know who that is. But, from uh, Tom Petty. From Tom yeah. Petty, yeah. yeah. And yeah. So it's been, it's been rescheduled till September next year. So it'll be almost two. It'll be a little over two years from the time I bought the ticket to the wow. time I get to go wow. see that show. Wow! Well, you'll be ready. <laughs> yeah, I will be ready. <laughs> I think I think that is that is the thing I hope for most is that um, we'll take this fairly awful time and and find silver linings in it. Like, wow, isn't it nice that we have all this stuff? Um, and that's been some of the feedback that that particular series in Richmond has received. Wow, I didn't know we had you know, mm-hmm. world-class level blues guitar player or world-class level whatever here, but now I know. And I, I would just say, don't forget. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, Keep checking it out. Yeah, yeah. So They're we'll, not going to move just when everybody can, can get get out together again. So we'll see how that goes. Um, another nice thing that's come up, I think, is the, the concept of the neighborhood concert, which mm-hmm. is an old Appalachian tradition, but in sort of more suburbanized America, I don't think is... is, is familiar part of people's growing up um, and Robert and I did a little thing in my front yard uh, back in April, back April yeah. when it was early days um, we had no idea then how long this was going to go on but we were, we'd already canceled a couple of shows yeah. or had canceled for us and so we we did something with my younger son who's a drummer um, and that was a lot of fun well, saying, I think by then we'd actually stopped JRE rehearsals for yeah we, we didn't rehearse for several months yeah. we didn't reconvene until uh, sometime in June I think because we had that gig in July. Um, yeah, that was a fun little gig. So and stuff like that happened all over the world and all over the country. Where mm-hmm. you know we, I think you know the internet was particularly good at letting us know what was happening in Italy for some reason. There are a lot of uh, there was lot of a pictures lot of video. videos of Italy. Yeah, but it it happened everywhere. Um, and sometimes it was really small, and sometimes it was you know uh, to a, a larger community. But that's important. Um, my big thing about music is that it's a human activity. Right, it's not um, it's not something that superheroes do. It's yeah, and it's not hu- something a computer beings. can really. You have to have a human to make it happen. You right. can't and, really. And you don't have to be an extraordinary human necessarily. Mm-hmm. You could be just some guy with a guitar that's going to fit in his lap, right, or, or whatever. Right. Um, and and he can do that. And one of the things I really wish was more true of our country and our community is that people would see people like themselves playing music more often. Um, and mm. it might be where I grew up and when I grew up, but when I was in school, when I was in high school and junior high school, most of the entertainment at our school dances was local bands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, See, by so the time we were growing slightly up, older kids, mm-hmm. like so, junior high school dance, high school. And usually the high schoolers. Yeah. That they were and they, were, and they yeah. were good. I mean, I grew up in a very musical town, I guess, but um, th- that goes back at least into my parents' generation. Um, uh, See, now, by the time we were growing up, it was all DJs. Yeah, we just wanted, you know, bring, bring your 50 cassettes and your speakers. Me, and, yeah, that, that, that was more my I always experience. wanted a band for a dance. I always well, thought I, that would be great. I, you know, I guess it's available in some places and others. But um, anyway, that was tremendously inspirational to me as a you know 12 or 13-year-old, seeing a guy who was 17 but then seemed like he was an adult um, mm-hmm. wailing away on the guitar or playing this song. I thought, I, I guess I could do that too. Yeah. Know? Um, and that's, so, you know, you, they say you can't become what you can't see. Well, I got to see that. And so I got to see that as, as a model. And then years, years, years and years later, uh, Jerry played a, a gig. It was at um, the one where we scratched up the, uh, the dance hall floor. Remember that? Oh, um, anyway, got a little yeah. flack. 
from the venue after, after the arthritis. Oh, well, yeah. that's the life of a rock and roll band. You gotta, yeah. ma- gotta yeah. make the venue mad occasionally. Like we didn't break the windows out. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> it was pretty darn loud. But anyway, so we, we played. It was a dance kind of gig. It was specifically meant to, to be for people to dance to us, which is great. As a bass player, um, I feel like people aren't dancing. I'm really not doing my job. So people were dancing. And at the first set break, um, this guy came over, and he might have been like 18 or 17. And he said, oh, that was really great. Well, thank you very much. He says, you know, I never danced to a live band before. I thought, wow. Wow. Yeah. But of course you haven't, if all you know is DJs yeah. Yeah. You know, the, in the cafeteria or whatever, or the gym or something mm-hmm. like that. So that, that kind of hit me, and I thought, wow, this needs to happen way more often because people need to know that this is an option and that it's better. Absolutely. Right. You know, even if the music performance is not like fantastic, there's some energy you get mm-hmm. from yeah. live performance. You're in community. You're 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 interacting. It's it's almost a church situation. Oh, yeah. You get yeah, that yeah, you know yeah. the common yeah, there, spirit. There, there, there is yeah. There's, yeah, for sure. Well, you can actually feel the music too. That's that's one of the things I always enjoyed because I can't hear, so I can feel the music and just kind of get that vibe. That's always been kind of my thing. That's why I enjoy concerts. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, another the, another one of the possible hidden benefits, because, you know, the visibility that where suddenly everybody knows that there's these local bands and all this. Another thing I notice is every artist I talk to is like, here's something I've written in the last couple months. Sure. You know, it seems like every band that I, I hear is like, here's a brand new song I just came up with. And there's, like, there's a lot of creation that's coming out yeah. of this. And we're, we're getting ready to start recording again um, after this weekend. Uh, there's at least five new tunes that need to get recorded. And See? couple of them came out of this experience mm-hmm. that's for sure <laughs> so I, I i can't say that i've written a song every week or anything but um yeah there's been some things and there are a few more still in the hopper that might get finished by the time we, we roll tape we'll see excellent yeah. well we look forward to hearing those when hopefully you'll come back and see us when those are ready so we can uh we, well, we, we got to get down there. We got to get down to see them sometime. Absolutely, we, we will I, we, do that. we're looking for excuses to go to Berea anyway. So, <laughs> well, if it's well, not this weekend, it's yeah, probably going to be twenty twenty one. This weekend's the last chance for a while. I suspect, yeah, yeah. And that's mostly weather related, I mm-hmm. think. But, but yeah, but thank you. We would 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 love to see your show, and we certainly appreciate your inviting us uh, to your show. Thank you. Very Absolutely. Much. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us here, and we appreciate the conversation and the music. Our pleasure. And Jeff, we thank you personally. You've been instrumental in helping yes, us find Jeff, other thank artists. Thank you so much for and, uh, all your help as we. We've kind of gotten this tried to get this off the ground yep. we oh, appreciate that sure well you know um it, we're all in this together as somebody in frankfurt keeps telling us <laughs> every <Well>, day <laughs> what's the one group cameron we're going to hear them next week delusions living sound delusions. yeah living sound delusions yeah we'll hear them next week oh yeah. wow I yeah. that's probably hear them this week if if this gets on to this the the episode we intended to oh yeah that's true it'll, but, they'll be on this episode yeah. so all right all right. Well, thanks for being on Bluegrass Home Front, guys. Thank you, guys.